everybody. Welcome to the <laughs> Dirt Talk Podcast Monday edition. Uh, Alex and I are coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Missouri? Yeah. And that don't some people say it that way? Missouri? Mm, I don't know. Okay. If Maybe. they do, I am uncultured and just refer to it as Missouri. We were we're, we're we took the podcast on the road today mm-hmm. uh, because we are at First Form headquarters to interview Mr. Sal Frazella tomorrow. Um, I met Sal a few months ago when I was here for the Arte event, mm-hmm. and he runs. He's president of First Form, um, and if you haven't checked out First Form, like we're not getting paid to say this or anything like that. The supplements and everything like that, unbelievable. Very cool. Very, 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 very good stuff. And I use a lot of their stuff. And the marathon I just ran this weekend, I was using their stuff, and it works. Works like a charm. Top quality stuff. So I'm very excited you. to be here. A lot of uh, very fit people here at First Form. That stuff works. You can tell. It works. Yeah. And it's just part of the culture at the business. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're interviewing him not about supplements or really fitness. We're going to talk to him yeah. about dirt because he has a skid steer. He, he's got some interest in dirt. Um, he's also a cool guy. Really cool guy. I've looked up to him for a, a few years now um, from just the perspective of, of who he is as an individual, how he parents huge fan of the guy um was very excited to meet him a few months ago he's been following along in the the dirt world yeah. loves what we have going on i love what they have going on here and i'm excited to talk to him so we're here in a conference room uh day before because i'm working out with them this afternoon mm-hmm. we're testing out the new podcast setup and we thought we'd cut a monday podcast now when people are listening to this episode they most likely will have already listened to the sal episode most likely yeah um so we'll just say that the episode was great. <laughs> it was a really good episode. We loved it. I'm sure you loved it too. Wasn't I, it so awesome? I don't... There's just not a scenario in my mind where the episode doesn't go well. The more that I like follow him and kind of read what he has to say, like he's extremely compelling. Yeah. He, and, and he's very well spoken too. Yeah. So, I mean, we could, we could we, podcast tomorrow. Okay, so if you could just talk for an hour. That'd be awesome. Yeah, just go. And that'll be the podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I feel like it, it would be that. Or it, it was like, you know, Jocko, when we recorded it with him, they were just like, you could tell Jocko to talk four hours about hamburgers or cheeseburgers and he'll make it happen. Okay. Well, I feel like when you were talking about that visit, you know, you were like, do we need to prep him? Do we need, he's like, you're just going to talk about leadership. And you were like, yeah. And they're like, he's good. <laughs> he's good. Yeah. I think Sal's the same way. I he speaks it. so much. Um, He's on the Real AF podcast mm-hmm. all the time now, all which time. is very cool to hear from him a little bit more. Yep. Um, yeah. It was a great episode, everybody. Yeah. Speaking to you from the future, it's going to be great. From the future. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're in their office. We have a Lamborghini right behind us, mm-hmm. uh, about 20 feet away. I could probably throw a ping pong ball. I'm trying to think of something that doesn't travel very well. Yeah. I could throw a ping pong ball and hit that Lamborghini. Yeah. And it... And, it's not in the parking lot. No, it's in, outside. It's inside. It's it's inside their office. It's a it's parked a race on the car. carpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a race car. So pretty unique. Um, honestly, this office there's a lot of details that have like are very well thought out. Yeah, really intentional. Um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the office after this. It's gonna be cool. It's 
very cool because most companies don't think through their office as much as something like this is. This is so intentional. It's, it's crazy. very intentional. You can really tell. Yes. And we are, you know, we just finished up our office. Um, I'm already thinking through the next version of our office. Of course. And so stuff like this, it goes a long, long way for me now. I can really appreciate the level of intention in a building like this because it takes so much time and energy. I feel like if I hadn't been thinking about what it takes to put together an office, not that I played any role other than talking about some podcast studio things, but for the build office, if I came in here totally cold about what it takes to design and build an office, mm -hmm. I would be like, man, they had a really cool designer, a really smart person who designed this. Yeah, And that's like just the, the like tip of the iceberg yeah. here because yeah. this is like so much more than they had a really visionary designer. There's clearly like tons and tons of people who put real input into like what this was supposed to look like, what this is supposed to be like, what's it supposed to feel like. And well, it's pretty cool to be a part of it here today. And, and, and doing, doing our project, I've realized you need to have a really, really well thought out team beforehand. So mm -hmm. me, I need to set the vision, the tone. I need to bring our culture to the table. We need to bring our team to the table as far as feedback is concerned, what they're looking for, how they're going to use the space. We need to bring the industry to the table and how people are going to interact with our space that, that don't work at the company, but how are they going to use the space from the outside? You need to bring the right contractor to the table, the right architect to the table, the right designer to the table, the right subcontractors, the right vendors from a furniture standpoint and, and, and just graphic standpoint. And there's a million different uh, stakeholders in any space like this. And most offices... They, they, they don't acknowledge any of that. They basically just hit the easy button. Just build me an office. Mm -hmm. How big do you need it? Well, I need a space for 50 people. Okay, we'll get you a space for 50 people. And it's gray and it sucks. And there's nothing special about it. Nothing inspirational about it. Everyone's there because they're paid to be there and no other reason for that. And that needs to change, especially in the dirt world. And we're trying to make some... Uh, make a pretty significant effort to to change things there. I already love our office. That's all I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. I already love it. Well, I I built a space that people would want to come to, uh, and that's amazing that people actually want to come to it. So it far, I do want to come there. So far, I do. You don't hate like it yet. Coming. Yeah, there's not. I, I don't hate it yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of time for that. Yeah. Eventually, when I when I scan my little fob and I hear that beep, it's going to like give me a migraine and like my eyes going to twitch. Just be like, another day here but not yet no still good no and there's a bunch of changes we're gonna have to make as we start using it i've sure. already i already have a long list in my head of there's so many things we need to adjust but uh it's a great starting place that's the build way way man you got to start one way and you decide oh actually here's how this would serve us a little bit better mm -hmm. and then you just take another tack exactly but in the meantime, it's super frustrating for someone like me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, in the mean, until we do that, it's frustrating. And it's like, it's stuff that it's, it's perfectly fine and perfectly functional, but it just drives me nuts. And so I can't really justify redoing it right now. Sure. But down the road, it will for sure get redone because I want everything to be done exactly as I want it. I am very particular when it comes to space. Yeah. Very particular when it comes to space. Well, good thing we have a space you can be particular about. Uh, when you get to create your own space, you can be as particular as you want. It's as true. long as you have the money. <laughs> That's part of it, yeah. And All you got to do is pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Pay for it and then pe have people that have patience with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
we've had a good good thank you uh well so you traveled a little bit last week did travel a little bit what did i do last week i um, um, i do know that your legs are very very sore no that was part of it so i days. oh yeah yeah we went to arizona uh went to phoenix saw my parents of course they live in phoenix that's where i was born and raised I filmed a little bit for Arizona State University. Oh, yeah, that's right. You talked about that. Okay. Yeah, that was very unique. Um, I spoke with the president and CEO of Sunt, which is a very large contractor. Uh, so that was that was very cool. Went to ASU. Randy and I did our first Build It Leaders like, yeah, Q&A really cool. session, mm-hmm. which I think went really well. Uh, we visited Rango again out at a copper mine. Um, the, the cool thing was they started around 4.30. So that's before the sun has started to rise. So you get there. And especially this time of year, it's it was totally dark on this visit. So you you just get extraordinary light over the Arizona mountains. Oh, yeah. And they're still pioneering this road up up in the up in these mountains and with a Volvo 950. And the last time I went, the the excavator was in kind of a tight spot. And I don't stage anything. I I do. Uh, which is very frustrating sometimes because you, in your head, you see a much better way to present a specific project or piece of equipment or person or scenario, whatever it may be. Uh, but because of the, the the conditions of the work, you, you can't get it. Uh, so that was, you know, when I visited a month ago, it was in a tight spot. And I, I, you know, I'm not in a position to say, can you go reposition your main production machine so I can get a better picture? It, it's just one that's, that's, they they would say no to even if that were the case it's just not really my style i like to just capture as is so yeah. knew i needed to go back brought matt briscoe with me uh we see we saw that machine got some awesome shots got kind of what i wanted i still need to go back one more time when they're full bore not pioneering but loading trucks uh so that was very cool we saw blunt contracting working in scottsdale so we go from a copper mine to i stopped at empire cat for for a, a moment and then we went to Scottsdale. So total polar opposites yeah. there. Uh, saw Blunt doing some drilling work at the at the Kierland, at an apartment complex I actually used to live at, which is funny. <laughs> um, so that was that day. And then the next day we drove down to Tucson and we saw Caterpillar's Mine Expo demonstration as they were practicing it. No way. Yeah. So it was me. I thought we were going to be with 200 people, 300 people, 400 people, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Because usually it's hundreds of people. Usually, sometimes, especially Con Expo, it's thousands of people. They'll run through there over a week or whatever it is at Tanaha Hills. Um, but this was a week prior to the event, so they were practicing this demo. And so it was just me, Matt, and Lewis watching the demo. Love it. Watching them run through the entire thing uh, as, as a practice. And good grief was that one hell of a treat. One hell of a treat. So they start with skid steers. And end with, you know, a 797 haul truck. I think they had over 80 machines in the demonstration over an hour and a half. Cool. So you basically, you sit in these stands. We were kind of running around because we had the whole place to ourselves and we were taking pictures. Yeah. Uh, but you sit in the stands and you watch them run through their entire mining product line. And they talk you through everything, every machine, every new feature. They talk about all the different applications. And you, you learn so much while listening to the demonstration. The demo operators down there are fantastic. Yeah, I and mean, they got to be just elite. Oh, they're they're just the best dudes. So I I can't say enough good things about Tanaha Hills, Marty Danes. He was the one that invited us down. He runs the facility alongside Jared. 
and and every demo operator they have down there, everybody they have down there is, is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Even the guy that cooks the food, world class food. <laughs> so that was that was fantastic. Uh, and then from there, I flew to Utah. I ran a race this past weekend with Mr. Kimo Clark of Truth Excavation from Maui. He mm-hmm. came out for this race, um, and we ran that together in in Utah, south of Salt Lake City, up in the mountains, which was one hell of a time. And then from there, I drove down to Vegas, met up with Mr. Matt again, and we went to the actual Mine Expo show Monday morning, mm-hmm. uh, walked the show. I was stupid sore, so I had a terrible time walking around and going up and down stairs. But I wish there were a lot of stairs there. A lot of stairs <laughs> and a lot of walking. It was a bad day to be sore. Mm-hmm. And as sore as I am, I'm still sore. And it's four days later. Uh, but the show was fantastic. All the booths looked incredible. The equipment looked incredible. Um, there was kind of a palpable sense of, of energy there with people actually getting out about seeing equipment again. Um, it was busier than I thought it would be. It was, it was, seemed like a great show. So we really enjoyed that. And now we are, uh, well, I went home and now we're in St. Louis. Now we're in St. Louis. Yeah. I love, you, were, you said something about Blunt earlier. I'm obsessed with their gray machines. They're awesome. Yeah. They look rad. It's never not cool. Um, had you been out to see them recently or was that the first time in a little bit? Mm, I don't know when the last time I, I saw them was. It wasn't too long ago because they were doing a project right by my primary stomping grounds, maybe two minutes away from where I went to kindergarten. <laughs> so I would stop by that project a few times. They yeah. were digging a basement in basically my neighborhood mm-hmm. where I grew up. So that was very oh, convenient. Cool. Uh, this project like I said, up in Scottsdale was the one we went to. They were running their BG-30. Um, and, and it's a very large drill. They just painted it blunt gray. So they just rebranded it. It was like white and yellow and blue, I think. But now it's just their blunt gray. Very cool. It's, it's awesome. And it was drilling shafts at the perimeter of a pretty significant basement. They're digging uh, for underground parking below this uh, apartment complex, this high-end apartment complex. In that Scottsdale. you used to live in? I used to live in another version of it. Okay. Same apartments in a different part of Scottsdale. I was going to say, if it was the same like actual buildings as you, could have been like, hey, you guys want to see where the laundry is? Actually, I think I got they, a key to the pool still. I think they might have done part of the basement on my apartment complex too uh-huh. that I lived in. But... They, uh, their, their drills awesome. Seeing a basement like that's awesome. The shoring they do is awesome. It was a pretty good sized basement. I think they were taking out maybe 80,000 yards out of this one. I could be wildly incorrect, but I think that's what my, uh, if, if my memory serves correct, that's, that's what they were doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this. If you haven't listened to the Randy Blunt podcast, highly recommend it. We talked to he's Randy. Done, he's done a couple episodes. I guess he did one just by himself. And then we did another one where we talked about build with leaders a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. So we're fortunate enough to have him as an advisor yeah. at the company, which has been a huge, huge for build with, um, to have his insight and his abilities. So he sold the company. If you haven't listened to that podcast to WW Clyde out of Utah, uh, end of the year in December. So he still runs the company day to day. Uh, but also works very closely alongside WW Clyde and Clyde companies as a whole. And, and Blunt, through that acquisition, is, is they were in a really good place to begin with. That's why they were acquired. Now they are off to the races and awesome. are 
taking big swings and working on some really, really exciting future work. So they're going, they're going places. They're backed by a tremendous company now that really cares about their people, Clyde companies. Mm -hmm. And they have a very exciting future ahead of them. So they were really cool before, but now they are positioned to completely dominate in the Southwest region. Uh, if you're looking for a great contractor to work for, Blunt Contracting is the one I would go to work for in, in the Phoenix area now. Do they do work outside of Arizona? Um, it's primarily Arizona right okay. now. I don't know if that's going to change, sure. but they're, they're in Arizona for now. Arizona is a very hot market. Because you have pretty explosive growth in a place like Phoenix and Vegas with people moving east from California. Yeah. Uh, from the Bay Area, from San Francisco or San Diego, Los Angeles. So Phoenix is Phoenix is blowing up right now. And I think it's the fourth largest city in the United States now. Phoenix? Yeah. Does that like include or it might be fifth? I think it's it's New York, LA. Chicago, Chicago Houston. Houston, Phoenix. Wow. I think Phoenix passed Philly. Damn. Mm -hmm. I feel like Greater Phoenix is pretty big too. Just like it's huge. It, that I think that's maybe what I wasn't thinking of. Like it it feels like when you're in Phoenix, like it just kind of keeps going and going and going. Like yes. You're still in Phoenix. Yeah. And I think the actual city of Phoenix is the biggest city in the United States by area. And that's interesting. That could be completely incorrect, but I Pretty sure that's true. I, f I wonder if uh, Dallas-Fort Worth ever have meetings about you want to combine? I don't we think can, they would ever. I don't, I don't think they want to combine. <laughs> I don't, don't think Dallas combine. wants Fort Worth and I don't think Fort Worth wants Dallas. That it's, sounds about right. It's funny that, uh, that I lived in Fort Worth for a little bit and you know, know a bunch of people from Dallas and you go back and forth. They're basically just kind of blobbed together, but they're very distinct at the same time. Basically two different states. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're very distinct. They are two yeah. completely different cities with two completely different personalities with different people that live in both. Mm -hmm. Dallas is very uppity, keeping up with the Joneses. Fort Worth is definitely more traditional Texan, a little bit more laid back, sure. doing their thing. What my wife always says about Dallas is she lived there for three years for work. And when she moved away, she's like, I just threw away a bunch of really nice clothes because I didn't need them anymore. I, that's what I did. It's it's very much keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. You gotta you gotta keep up with everybody. That's funny. Yeah. Cool. Um, I did have I have a, a dummy question. Yeah. What are the, like the biggest differences from like an excavation, like dirt moving perspective, um, in states like Arizona versus states like Tennessee, where we live? Big difference between so so Arizona is unique because Arizona you can work around year round with very little issue. Uh, rain very rarely slows everybody down. Um, and the funny thing is in a place like Arizona, you typically, when you're moving dirt, have to add a ton of water to it. Uh, so you'll have, you'll, they'll set up basically farming sprinklers on a big job site before they start moving dirt. And they'll, they'll spray water on it for weeks before they start moving dirt to get enough water into the ground to prevent dust and then primarily aid in compaction. They're very particular about air quality mm -hmm. and compaction. You can't get compaction if your soil is too dry. Yeah. And all soil in Arizona pretty much is too dry. dry. So you need to add water to it. Um, so I know when bidding a project in Arizona, when planning a project in Arizona, where you're getting your water from is one of the biggest concerns and could be a 
pretty significant cost driver to a project, surprisingly enough. Mm -hmm. And some projects, I mean, it's millions of gallons of water wow. that they'll put in the ground. So that's Arizona. Um, you'll have some rock, so you'll have some drilling and blasting. Drilling and blasting is not all that common in Arizona, though. Um, it, 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 it's a thing, but it's not all the time. So you have a ton of scraper dirt there. There's a lot of very large scrapers moving mass quantities of dirt in Arizona. Yeah. It's all pretty, uh, you know, pretty uh, flat. So you're moving dirt for the sake of building pads, drainage, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's, it's, you're not really leveling things out as much. Whereas a place like Tennessee, um, middle Tennessee, middle Tennessee well, specifically, yeah. Tennessee varies from, from an earth moving perspective. If you know, depending on the third you're in, but middle Tennessee, tons of rock. So ev almost every single project will have blasting for a large component of the bulk earthwork phase and most of the utilities. So you have to blast for a majority of the utilities. If water line, sewer, storm, you're blasting for all of it, which is uh, coming to Tennessee was the first time I'd ever seen that. Mm -hmm. Arizona, you just, you dig. And if it's tough, you put a rock bucket on a 374, 390 and just muscle your way through yeah, it. Yeah, just try a little harder and you've got yeah. it. Yeah, Tennessee, that doesn't work out. So it's a lot of drill and blast. It's a lot of rock. You go to every project, it's about managing rock. It's not about dirt really. Mm. And, and then even on building pads in Arizona, you'll have, you know, aggregate base, which is just a beautiful material to put out on pads or road base. Whereas Tennessee, they'll just lay surge down, which is just like a bunch of, it looks like just big ass landscaping rock almost. It's not even crushed stone mm -hmm. damn near it. Uh, but they have so much rock in, in Tennessee and it's so expensive to crush it down. They're just like, no, just use bigger rock. We don't care, which is sucks to grade with. I mean, sure. you see a D6 trying to work with surge on a building pad. I'm like, I don't, I don't envy that guy. Uh, and then you're battling the weather. So rain, sure, wet weather, huge, huge um, challenge in a place like Tennessee. You're getting pounded with rain almost year round a lot of times. And that sets schedules way back. And that's just not something you have to deal with in the Southwest as much. Cool. Thank you. So, but I mean, you could have said any other state. There's, well, now I'm thinking about like, do I want to ask a question like this every single week? Man, I mean, you go to South Carolina, yeah. there's yeah, challenges. Like, tell me Maine versus yeah. South Carolina, yeah. you know, or, Maine, or whatever. Florida, I mean, the South, the the North, the Rocky Mountains, California, it's, it's all totally different material and there's different challenges. And that's the funniest thing I see online is these, these people that are very ignorant. They think that earth moving is the same in Florida as it is in Illinois. It's like, no, you idiot. It's different. You can't. You can't just drive a truck into a cut in Florida because the thing's probably going to sink, <laughs> you know? It, it, so yeah, you have to top load like this and yeah, it's not ideal. And yeah, you wouldn't do it in Illinois like this, but th this is the reality here. Uh, they make the mistake of thinking it's the same everywhere. And with the position we're in, we get to see it done differently all over the place. And I have a ton of respect for all the different ways to do it because there's no right or wrong way to do it. And it varies in every state, every region, every project. Awesome. Yeah. It's got me thinking now about a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. You just luck into stuff, you know, or it's like, know? oh, that actually was more interesting than I thought. Earth moving, it's, it's a whole can of worms. There's a lot to it. A whole? I mean, that's why we have a whole podcast called Dirt Talk. Dirt Talk. There's a lot to talk about. Talking about dirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we do talk about dirt-ish things. Apparently, I can just talk about dirt itself. Ask real questions. Mm -hmm. All right. We got a couple questions here. Yeah. For the Dirt Talk podcast. 
Okay, so this is, this is a question from Cooper. He said, hey guys, so I'm watching the James Bond Skyfall, Skyfall movie for the first time tonight. Sure. There's a scene in the beginning that features a 320D with the cab on the right side of the boom. Mm-hmm. Any insight on this? Does Cat still build excavators with the boom on the quote-unquote wrong side of the cab? I've never seen any except for the real old rigs at auctions and such. So it's not necessarily the, the boom, it's the cab. So the cab traditionally on an excavator, if you look at it, it's always on the left the left side. So you're sitting on the left side of the boom. Whereas in the James Bond movie, it's on the right side. So if you looked at the excavator, like you profile normally, and the cab would be there, the cab's not there. It's on the other side. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that makes sense. They did it because... So so the boom is in the center or not, but it's where it go, always yes. has gone. Okay. Yeah. So what happens in the movie, if you haven't seen it, is the bad guy gets on a train. I love that you have a bit for this, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I know all about this. <laughs> the bad guy gets on a train and uh, James Bond needs to stop this guy. And, and so he's getting shot at. So he gets in this excavator that's mounted on the train that's being transported. Oh, yeah. He pulls it in front of him. He holds it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, starts okay. to hold the bucket out there so he's uh-huh. not getting shot at. And he's like hitting cars off. And it's just total mayhem. Mm-hmm. And the way they had to shoot that scene, they needed the cab on the other side of the machine. So they custom built that exact machine <laughs> for uh, for the, the angle they needed to shoot shoot that scene at. Awesome. So that, that's why they did it. And that, that machine is actually, I think Caterpillar has it in their archives in Illinois. And I might be incorrect about that, but this would be a question for Lee Fosberg, Caterpillar historian. Mm-hmm. We tried to get him on the podcast. Caterpillar said no, because Dirt Talk's not sure. a big deal. Of course. I'm sure just wait, just wait. Just, just wait. Um, so that would be a question for Lee. Okay. And I think I actually talked to Lee about this. And, That's and cool. Lee, Lee would tell you every single detail about <laughs> this. But but I, I'm almost for certain it was because of the angle they had to shoot it at. at and, and so they needed the cab on the other side. So they had whatever dealer it was or whoever they, they had fit the cab on the opposite side of the machine uh, just for that movie. I'm sure... Like a lot of our listeners, they watched that and they're like, what is this? Yeah. Whereas, you know, the majority of the the viewers who've seen that movie are just like, man, that was cool that he used that that dirt scoopy thingy it's, to block bullets. It's it's a it's probably one of the coolest heavy equipment scenes in the movies, period. Well, there's there's some that are in uh oh, shoot, Casino Royale too. Mm-hmm. Remember when he's chasing the like parkour guy through yeah, the Yeah, he's on a construction scene? site. Yeah, that's yes. pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah, but this is, you're on an excavator on a moving train, blocking bullets with a bucket. It's its pretty cool. They run up a crane in a Casino Royale. Yeah, but I'm not a crane guy. Okay, yeah. This isn't crane talk. It's true. Right? My mistake. Yeah. It, Let's it, just that, put it out there. Aaron's not not a crane guy, by the way. No, Casino He's shown Royale, interest in cranes. It's, it's, that's a pretty good one, too. Every, anytime they get into heavy equipment in a movie, shit's about to go down. It's not like... That's not decoration. <laughs> no. And they're not just going to get into a dump truck and be like, let's haul some dirt. It's yeah. like, let's drive through a building right now. It's always... Shit's always going to go down if there's some heavy equipment in an action movie. That's a great little like inside baseball tip. If you ever see heavy equipment in a movie, keep that in your mind because that thing's coming back. You're about to see it do something. Oh, yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for having an answer for that. There you go, Cooper. That's that's funny. I I don't even know why I know that, but I know that. And I have like I haven't I don't know I don't even know. Well, there you go. All right. Uh next question is from Tyler. 
He says, first off, always love listening to the podcast when I'm running my D11T at work. Whoa, that's pretty cool. Very cool. Thank you, Tyler. Secondly, Aaron spoke with Sam Meeker about the smaller cat dozers. I'd love to hear what's up on the big dozers, especially with the unveiling of the new D11XE. It is It is funny. I mean, some people prefer smaller dozers. Some people prefer larger dozers. And smaller dozers, you know, you can you can do a lot with them. You can... You can do amazing things with like a, a D6 or a D5 or a D4. It's crazy what those guys do. Uh, but then you can also appreciate just the sheer brute power and strength of a D11. It's like comparing like a fine Italian sports car with just a diesel truck or something like that. I, I don't know if it's fair to really compare the two. Yeah, it's like apples and oranges. Yeah, because you they, okay, they both get you from point A to point B. Both bulldozers, they, they push stuff, a smaller dozer, a bigger dozer. But it's just, it's different applications and, and you can respect them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, I can maybe cut that question if we don't really think it makes well, sense. I, I added some dozer commentary in there. So okay. maybe that's podcast worthy. Cool, that's worth it. But I, okay, yes. I love a, an operator that is skilled at a D6. I love watching someone who's skilled at a, a, a like VPAT blade work. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter if it's a cat or whatever. It could be a Komatsu deer. I don't care. But the big dozers, you, I mean, if you've never had a D11 go right past you with a full blade, <laughs> quite literally shaking the earth beneath your feet, just roaring, pushing 60 yards of material, it is, there is just something intoxicating about it. I don't know what it is, but it is completely intoxicating. I think I might have, I posted a video at Granite Rock um, the other day of, of, one of their D11s, fully loaded blade, slot dozing, you know, pushing the granite and toward the mouth of the crop. I could watch it all day long. <laughs> and just the slow clank, 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 clank of the tracks when it has a full blade. Yeah. Something else. That's cool. Yeah. Sick. All right. Last question of the day. It's from Jonathan. Question. What are the top five things GCs could do better? I don't know. We don't have to do any five, but we can say, what are a handful of things, just in your opinion and your experience, because you see a lot of job sites work, you know, see a lot of companies out there in the world, just like in your opinion. I don't know. I, I don't even know if I'm informed enough to, to make a list or anything like that. And I don't want to just, uh, just beat up on GCs for, for no reason. Sure. We've covered a lot of the problems with GCs. In previous podcasts, if you want to look up, search Garrett Moss on Dirt Talk. Garrett and I had a specific podcast about problems with GCs. And he deals with GCs all day long. And he can address it much better than I can. But some of my qualms with GCs is they're... I mean, some of the rules are insane. One, um, they're rarely trying to create a win-win scenario for everybody involved, which drives me nuts. Um, I don't know. I just don't think I can, I don't really want to go into that one because I think I'm going to say something that's going to piss someone off that I'm probably going to regret. I'm just not as informed on that subject as I should be. I just, I just think there's a, a total, there's a big difference in attitude between a GC and a heavy civil contractor. And the reason why we gravitate to heavy civil contractors and, and contractors that move dirt and 
put pipe in the ground, that kind of thing, is uh, because I can just relate more to where their their attitude. And I think because they do the work, they do the work. There is a a different sense of humility that comes with that. Sure. And that's what I've boiled it down to. And that's where I think all the the differences come from is there's there's an intense sense of humility when you're the one getting beat down every day. Whereas a GC, what they do is important. I mean, you couldn't build anything building wise without GCs. And I'm in buildings every day. We're recording this podcast in a building built by a GC. You need them. Uh, but they don't actually build anything. They manage subcontractors that build stuff. And there's that gap that I think changes their attitude a little bit. And and so I think the GCs that really get it are the ones that are a little bit more connected to the work. Uh, and I don't know how you do that, but that to me is the biggest difference between heavy civil contractors and GCs is that heavy civil contractors are intimately involved in the everyday operations, whereas GCs aren't. And good GCs uh, create that sense of intimacy. Bad GCs, I don't think, have any real understanding of the work. And they're sitting in their office trailer or, or nice office and just managing the work as they think they should. And maybe that's completely wrong. Maybe that's insane. But at least that's what I've boiled it down to in my head based on my experiences. I think that sounds fair. I think you're right that I mean, you're not nearly as qualified as somebody who, you know, is a heavy civil contractor, but you, you've also had plenty of conversations with people in that space that, you know, have communicated, you know, probably different versions of what you just said that are like, you basically distilled down to just that's um, where you stand on that. You know, I, I think it's probably wise to not like go in on GCs for the sake of here's what drives me batty about, you know, it's like, that's not really what, no. Yeah. It's just not, not worth it. Um, but uh, let me tell you, I've had way more bad experiences with GCs than I have with heavy civil contractors. Sure. So just looking at data and the data I've collected, we've had way more problems with GCs. Okay. But also we've had, you know, met with fantastic GCs. So I don't know. Yeah. I can't, I can't paint with too broad of a brush. I think, if you want to learn more about the problems with GCs and, and subs and civil contractors, just listen to that Dirt Talk episode. I'm sure Alex will link it in the notes. I will. It was with Garrett Moss. He explained it a lot better than, than I could. Cool. Cool. Um, before we get out of here, I do want to mention again our September uh, Apple Podcasts review contest. I've, we picked a winner for the first week of September. I'm about to send out, well, I guess it, this would be a, tomorrow. I will send out the email for the second winner. So the winner each week receives a $100 gift card to the Build With Store, which is pretty cool. Cool. Um, and everybody else who uh, submits gets a 20% off uh, coupon code to the Build With Store, which is cool. So all you got to do is uh, write a review for the Dirt Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it, email it to dirttalk at buildwit.com. And I will make sure you get at least the 20% off uh, coupon discount code. Um, but I, we are picking a winner each week, which is pretty fun. Awesome. And if you don't have Apple Podcasts, just send us a review, email it to us. Yeah. Um, if you've found any kind of value for this podcast, we don't ask for much, uh, but we are asking for good reviews or negative reviews. 
Feel yeah. free to talk shit about us online. We're, we're more than happy. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just has to be review. We don't want to put it in your head that it needs to be good. But mm-hmm. if you enjoy the podcast, give us a review. We'd appreciate it. Um, if you have any questions for the upcoming Monday episodes, send them on over to dirttalk at buildwit.com. Uh, and with that, we will see you on the next episode. Until then, stay dirty. Thanks, y'all.